This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. This is the selection from T.S. Eliot's Four Quartets. Home is where one starts from. As we grow older, the world becomes stranger, the pattern more complicated of dead and living. Not the intense moment, isolated, with no before and after, but a lifetime burning in every moment. And not the lifetime of one person only, but of old stones that cannot be deciphered. There is a time for the evening under starlight, a time for the evening under lamplight, the evening with the photograph album. Love is most nearly itself when here and now cease to matter. Old folks ought to be explorers. Here or there does not matter. We must be still and still moving into another intensity for a further union, a deeper communion through the dark, cold, and empty desolation. The wave cry, the wind cry, the vast waters of the petrel and the porpoise, in my end is my beginning. Some words from a young mother who lost her husband to a drug overdose. I had been expecting him to die since the day he started using again. But when it finally happened, it hit me with brutal force. I wasn't prepared. There was no sense of peace or relief, just ferocious pain and overwhelming loss. The most difficult, the impossible thing was thinking, how do I tell my kids that their dad just died? What are the words? A loving swarm of friends and family carried me through those early days, but even so they felt miles away. They can't be there with you. There were a few people I knew who had gone through something similar. We would get together and I wanted to say, please don't go because you get it. From others, I received a lot of well-meaning advice, such as, just get out more, or I kid you not, craft. Literally two weeks after he died, some fellow parents asked me to show up on a Friday morning to man the stall where they sold school paraphernalia. And after the fifth person suggested I should start running, I lost it. I don't want to effing run, I said. I want to jump in the river and kill myself. When I finally did decide to run, it was always at night by the river. The darker and rainier it was, the more violent the water, the better. I couldn't get enough. Something about the extremity of it, the closeness to death, was weirdly comforting. If I wanted to jump, it was there. What got me out of bed every morning and kept me alive, of course, were my kids. I had no choice. They needed me, and I loved them more than anything in the world. I would hit moments when I felt, 
I'm done. I'm so done. But then I'd see their faces and right away it would become, okay, I can do this today. We're going to light four candles, uh, each acknowledging a different uh, sense of, of loss, the final one being uh, a hopeful note, and we'll leave one candle unlit, acknowledging that sometimes there just doesn't seem to be any light. We light this first candle in memory of those persons we have lost through death. We remember them in our hearts. We give thanks for them and for their lives. We treasure the memories in this difficult season. candle to remember the losses we face that bring sadness and darkness this time of year, the loss of relationships, the loss of health, the loss of jobs, the loss of financial security or health care. Consider the pain and struggle so many face in our community and our nation. We realize that the pain of loss can be heightened at this time of year, and we ask for peace for justice. We light this third candle for each of us. We offer up to God our pasts, the times of regret, times of mourning, the difficult memories, the times of grief and sadness, and of loneliness 
and pain. We ask for light in times of darkness. celebrate the coming of the one who entered into suffering with us. Musicians forward, and as they're playing this next song, we're going to have the opportunity ourselves to light a candle to represent a loss, a sadness, a prayer that we're holding out for ourselves, for our neighbors, for our world. There's about 50 tea lights in each table on these two tables to the side, uh, so you can even light more than one if you like. Uh, and as they're playing, you'll be invited to come forward as you feel led.
like to give us an invitation to share uh, if you would like to. And during the sharing time, if you still feel led to light a candle, feel free to pop up the candle available to be lit. Could just be a word that's on your heart. It could be a name or perhaps something else that you would like to just speak aloud. Change.
Take care. That's a phrase we've used and heard often in interactions with friends. Maybe we run into someone at the grocery store or the coffee shop and have a little interaction, and it often ends with take care. A good phrase, really. Though I wonder if we spend much time thinking about what we're saying when we say it. Often I think I don't. Uh, But what would it mean to actually take care? The word care finds its roots in the Gothic kara, K-A-R-A, which means lament. And so the basic meaning of care from that perspective could be to grieve, to experience sorrow, to suffer with. It's an invitation to enter into someone's pain. And sometimes that's a hard thing to do because we're really good at giving advice or coming up with solutions or pointing people to a professional. And sometimes those are the right thing to do, don't get me wrong. Yet Henry Nouwen notes, when we honestly ask ourselves which persons in our lives mean the most to us, we often find that it is those who, instead of giving advice, solutions, or cures, have rather chosen to share our pain and touch our wounds with a gentle and loving hand. The friend who can be silent with us in an hour of grief and bereavement, who can tolerate not knowing, not curing, not healing, and face with us the power of our powerlessness. That is a friend who cares. And then he says, whatever happens in the external world, being present to each other, is what really matters. The poet Mark Nepo says that being kind to our being kind to uh, ourselves is a prerequisite to being kind to others. Sometimes we feel that caring for ourselves is the opposite of caring for others. It's often presented as a dilemma. We can either be kind to ourselves, which seems self-serving, or we can be kind to others and care for others. But I wonder if that isn't a false dichotomy, if they aren't part of the whole same cloth, part of the same fabric. Jesus said to love our neighbors as ourselves, and that we should do to others what we would want them to do to us. An implication there seems to be that some sort of caring and loving of ourselves is already at work. The grandson of Confucius said that water unobstructed will flow downhill. He was a real bright one, I guess. Water unobstructed will flow downhill. And we are like that water. Given the chance to be what we are, we will find ourselves flowing, extending ourselves in kindness. 
But sometimes there are obstructions to the water and to ourselves. I had to undo the pipes under our bathroom sink today because there was an obstruction and the water was not flowing down. And sometimes there are obstructions within us that prevent what might flow out in goodness and kindness to others. But what are those obstructions? I think we subscribe often to a story of self that is smaller than what we are. We internalize a self-critique. You're not enough of this, or you're too much of that, or no one cares about you, or you don't measure up. And we identify with something smaller than the truth. The truth is you are enough. And God believes that too. Father Richard Rohr, in reflecting on the meaning of Christmas, has said, Humanity has the right to know that it is good to be human, good to live on this earth, good to have a body. Because God and Jesus chose and said yes to our humanity. And then he says, or as we Franciscans like to say, incarnation is already redemption. Simply the fact that the child was born is God saying yes to you. And if we realize that God's heart is open to us, perhaps we can drop our defenses, our graspings, our cover-ups, and how we present ourselves so carefully and just be and bask in that waterfall of goodness. If we can do that, if we can open up our hearts to ourselves, the water of compassion will naturally flow. If we're feeling at home in our own selves, our own being, our own bodies, that sense of at-homeness, that sense of hospitality, that sense of kindness will be noticed. It will flow through us to those around us. Take care. Take care. When we take care of others, it's good for them and it's good for us. And when we take care of ourselves, it's good for others and it's good for us. And so may the waters of care and kindness and compassion flow in and through you, whatever you are facing this Christmas. Amen. And namaste.
scripture from Isaiah 9. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. The people who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For the yoke of their burden, the rod of their oppressor, has been broken. For to us a child has been born, to us a son is given. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And there shall be endless peace with justice and righteousness now and forever. Turn to number 134, Silent Night, and we'll be invited to join in on the second verse.
coming and joining us in this blue Christmas service. In a moment, Andrew will play us a song, and after that, our evening will be ended. But as you go from this place, may you know the peace and the presence of God now and in the year to come.
in peace. to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Holland Area Arts Council in downtown Holland. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org. Music